0: starting crows who finally overcame the d's last weekend in a tough and sometimes explosive affair join the crew as we chat about the match bring you news from around the afl and preview next week's big match versus the dogs don't worry patty we'll fly the flag this is crowcast i'm dana Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us again for another episode of Crowcast. Um, tonight, we've got the usual suspects with us. We've got Danos. How are you going, Danos? Good, thanks, Phoenix. How are you? Pretty good, mate. And we've got Waffle. How are you, How are you doing, mate? I'm not bad, Phoenix. How are you? Pretty good. And we've got, of course, Nikki. How are you going, Nikki?
1: I'm doing very well, and I promise not to mention the B word for you tonight.
0: Nikki's in the naughty corner because she saw Billy Piper last week and didn't tell anyone.
1: I touched her.
0: Oh, just, just wrong. Uh. Were you arrested? No. It was the story about the baked beans down the bloody pants that got me.
1: Well, somebody asked her a question regarding um Secretary of a Call Girl and what was one of the oddest things she ever had to do, and that was it.
0: I just can't imagine. The words don't do it justice. Anyway, let's move along. And of course, our first segment tonight is Nikki's News. So over to you, Nikki. Uh,
1: Once again, we really are liking the look of the ladder, I suspect. Um, The big thing, again, always the injuries. Geelong, Bartell's going to miss two months with a tear in his medial ligament. Uh, Tom Lonigan suffered concussion. Matthew Stokes has injured his Achilles. Uh, Updates on those are going to be provided later on the week from Geelong, Um, but they're not looking good. Collingwood, Ben Reid, they anticipate he's probably actually going to miss the first half of the season with a quad injury. They're taking it basically week by week and not too sure what's exactly going on there. Um, for the Saints, Revolt and Montagna, because Revolt pulled out of the game in the warm up. They had a bit of calf tightness. They're going to test later in the week, so they may end up in New Zealand. They may not. Poor old North Melbourne. So Jack Zebel and Daniel Wells are out, along with defender Jamie McMillan. Uh, Jack Zebel had spent two nights in hospital with a bruised lung, which I've never heard of that one before. Uh, Wells and McMillan have been nursing Achilles injuries. They've and so they'll be out for one to two weeks each. And, of course, a former crow player, poor old um, Chris Knights, his hamstring has shown damage. He's going to have surgery on it, and he'll be out for 10 to 12 weeks. And the big one from the mob down the road, Ollie Wines has dislocated his wrist, of all things, and so he's out for four to five.
0: Any word on Bontempelli and a couple of the other doggies? They've got a few injuries, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they do have a few. I think Wallace is a definite to miss. Um, Bontempelli and, and I'm trying to remember who the other one was. There's still tests on those, so they may come up. They may not. It's yeah, we don't know much information on their, them yet. Hopefully, Matthew Boyd, that is ah yes, Matthew Boyd. There it was. Um, hopefully, our, our Doggies poster, who's going to join us later on, can possibly give us a bit more information. What's going on there? Now the AFL did manage to raise some money this um, week. They there were quite a few fines from our melee. So Rory and Tommo are out fifteen hundred dollars each. Jenkins Walker and Yanch are out thousand dollars. So from Melbourne, Bernie Dean Kent and Nathan Jones all got the fifteen hundred dollar fine, and Kennedy Harris got the thousand dollars. So that's a total of eleven thousand dollars five hundred dollars. Um, $11,500 $11, uh, raised for the AFL. Um, interesting that they didn't even bother to look at any of the other incidents that occurred during that game. The, how on earth they didn't even look at the Laird one, I don't know. Uh, Chris Yaron, he has copped three weeks um, for the hit on Chapman. It was a very nice um, left hook, but he did take three goes to get him. Uh, that, of course, got sent straight to the tribunal, And the interesting one is Andrew Moore, who was always thought to possibly be the replacement for Ollie Wines, he's out for three weeks because he pushed an umpire in the SNFL. Um, Because it was intentional contact, it went direct to the tribunal, and at the moment Port will be weighing up whether they're going to appeal the severity of that or not. And that was kind of it for the reports. Now, of course, the other things that have been happening around the AFL, the big news that came out today is Gary Ablett has signed a new three-year deal worth $1 million each season. Oops, nice money if you can get it. So he'll see out the rest of his career with Gold Coast. And then a bit of the rise again on the Essendon front with the drugs, ASADA has declined to appeal the AFL tribunal verdict and they've forwarded their paperwork to WADA. So WADA have a further 21 days to look over the case before they decide to either appeal to CAS or not. ASADA's reasoning was that it would delay the case getting to CAS if they appealed because of theirs would just stick within the AFL Tribunal. They've also asked for the full judgment to be released so that they can forward that on to WADA.
0: They've obviously basically told, or WADA's basically told them, don't worry about it, we'll just go straight to CAS.
1: Yeah, because I think if it goes, it, yeah, for um, ASADA, it's just going to go back into the AFL Tribunal, and CAS I think possibly are going to have a slightly different uh, definition on what's comfortable satisfaction as to what the AFL tribunal had. So that could prove a bit interesting. Now, the other kind of interesting things, we found out a little bit more information about the Howe Hunter case. There's a deadline of the 8th of May has been set for the AFL and Essendon to release information. Now, the Age reported that what they understand is that documents between Essendon and Dank or any entity relating to Dank concerning the administration of AOD 9604 and Thymosin Beta 4 whether that was given to employees at Essendon, so they want any documents relating to that. They also want any medical records, including the results of blood tests um, Hunter had, and a copy of James Hurd's interview with, Istra, uh, with Asada and the AFL on April sixteenth, 2013. Now, Essendon have engaged uh, a leading oh law firm, uh, apparently, so we'll find out a little bit more what's going on there. And then the other big thing that came out last Friday, where I think the AFL tried to hide it, but sorry, we're not going to ignore it. Stephen Jank was found guilty of 10 of the 30 offenses he was charged with. Now he was cleared of administration th- um thymosin beta4 to the players. We're not surprised by that happening at all. Um, but he did attempt to traffic hexarelin to an athletes and support persons. He assisted, encouraged, aided, abetted and covered up the use of drug contrary to the anti-doping code. So those ones were all proven. There was another charge in relation to an official at the Carlton Football Club and involving Australian baseball. Uh, He was also found guilty on two or three charges to attempt to traffic to Essendon players humanofort Fort and a cocktail of drugs including insulin growth factor 1, insulin growth factor 2, mechano growth factor, fibroblast growth factor and in beta four. So he said he's going to appeal, which means a full AFL tribunal will rehear the same case, um, that he couldn't be bothered turning up to or even sending a lawyer to for the first time. Um, he said he thinks the charges are inconsistent with the facts, which he's never revealed, and it's how nice that he's only going to tell us the facts after he's seen the evidence. Um, the guilty finding will impact only on AFL um. It's not going to impact only on AFL participation, but it will. Um, if whatever they put in place, which is possibly going to be a life ban because of those um, charges, it basically means all Australian sport he can't be involved in. So I think that's why he's trying to protest it. And that's kind of the major news I think that came out of the week.
2: I'm not touching cereal ever, ever again.
1: <laughs> what was that
2: about cereal? All those bloody things in those drugs, my goodness, it sounds like a cereal packet gone wrong. Well,
1: <laughs> very true. I mean, how many growth factors were in there? That was That's what kind of blew me away. And insulin ones. I mean, I'm sorry, how many diabetics are there in Essendon?
2: Not very many, obviously. It's all about the recovery.
1: I just love the fact that Dank didn't bother to turn up, didn't employ a... a a lawyer at all but he goes oh they got everything wrong
2: yeah i can't afford a lawyer cuz i'm screwed literally my wife's gonna leave me with the kids now uh
1: he's just yeah shonky
2: he deserves everything that comes to him
1: well that's it i'm quite pleased i'm quite pleased that it's possibly going to be a life ban for all australian sport because he just should not be involved anywhere near any athletes or any human beings actually
0: didn't mind the swipe that Cara gave Alan Jones last night. on am pretty classified.
1: Oh, I missed that one. What was it?
0: Her little Cara's arrow was basically Alan Jones. You're a soft cock for basically not hard, asking any hard questions and blaming Gillian McLaughlin for all the AFL um, saga, or the drug saga.
1: Oh, yeah. Alan Jones got all his information from Bruce Francis, who's kind of been – Paid, employed via Essendon, Herd. So he's pushing the Essendon side. So he was never going to be mean to Dank.
0: Oh, just before we move on, um, Pods looks like being six weeks now with a with a fracture.
1: Yeah, the um, the swelling went down, and they did some more tests again, and I. I'd heard that they suspected there might have been a fracture in there, um, and yeah, it was confirmed that there's a small one. So he's out for a while. And Harry Deer is now an indefinite. Um, he's going to have a full shoulder reconstruction. So yeah, that's a line through the name. Yeah, so I think we I did a uh, there was a count. So we have 13 players on our list who are now unavailable through injury.
3: It's incredible that we can still fill our. Just about our best 22.
1: Fingers crossed that it remains that way.
0: 13. I didn't think it was that many.
1: Yeah, I'd have to have a look in. but I, th- I think that's um, what was up. I was actually at the Crows Coaching Clinic um, tonight, and uh, nice to see Riley Knights and Rory Atkins both walking around, no moon boot, and seem to be moving okay. That's good news. But the kids the kids were all told they, were, they weren't allowed to tackle any of the players. Be good, be good, be good, be good.
0: all right let's move on and of course um it was good to see us have a nice win in the slog uh last weekend against a fairly determined uh melbourne who were who were hell-bent on making us work for the victory which was good in my opinion um so what do we all think about the game guys um a good win under the circumstances
1: it was very wet. <laughs> it wasn't fun to sit there at the very start. It was like, oh, deja vu. I don't like the idea of this.
2: How good is uh, Cam Ellis Goldman? Not bad for a guy that can't kick.
1: Oh, the way he actually settled, that, that goal he kicked in the pocket, he settled and he just slowed down that little bit, straightened up to kick it. It was It was just such a nice kick to see.
0: Both kicks were equally amazing.
1: Yeah, he just looked like he was going slowly.
0: Yeah, he he obviously has been working very hard on settling over his kicks and that's really, you know, contributed to him distributing the ball and, and kicking goals now. So, I mean, he played really well. I, I thought it was a pretty good effort by us. I don't think that you can take a hell of a lot out of a game like that, the conditions being what they are and the opposition showing the tactics that they did. I think you just get away with the win on that one.
1: And while she kind of preempted that he thought it was going to go that way, he said it was going to be an arm wrestle and we were going to be happy to get into an arm wrestle, and that's what happened. The fact that we restricted them to four goals after that first initial flurry, I was quite pleased with, and probably about two, maybe three of those were direct results of some <laughs> stupidity on our, on our part from a lot of our younger players, although Dougie did one of them. Source did one or two as well. Yeah, I think that they were the early ones, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I act, what I liked was we had a, a we had a set plan for Lumumba, um, which is whenever he was on the wing, David McKay manned up on him, and when he was in their back lines, we had VB sitting on him. So there was a very set plan that we knew, and whenever he got the ball, it was always under pressure. He wasn't able to get those runs through, and he kind of got hammered into the ground.
3: What I really liked was J- uh, Jeremy Howe's mark when uh, it did on the AFL website, because it's one of the mar- marks of the week. Um, Tex demolishes Lumumba, his hip is fair and square in the side of Lumumba's head. And I know the fact that he wasn't injured
0: from it. So, a bit worried about the starts again. We took 15 minutes to get going again this week, which if we did that against Hawthorne, would be, probably we'll seven be, goals be down.
1: I did get to wave at Lynchy as he came back to be the loose man in defence. So I thought, oh, hello, Lynch, there you are. That um, we, I think after about the third goal, he just all of a sudden appeared in our back lines going, oh, look at that, we've got a plan B. We've got loose man in defence.
2: Yeah. Did he wave back?
1: No, unfortunately. I think he was too busy watching the ball coming towards him. Or ducking. Ooh. No, his name's not Jack Watts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what this... Um slow start things all about, but we're going to have to fix it because um, it just seemed like they should have come out breathing fire against Melbourne considering what happened last year um, and they just didn't seem to have their heads in it. Hang on. We've only had one slow start.
3: The, last, the two games before that, we were well and truly in front. Of oh, you're right. The time.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, and the, the, the Collingwood one was, it was back and forth and it was fast, high-pressure game. Um, it took ages before we got a score but we came out to play at the, that one.
0: Yeah, maybe it's – did we have any of the practice games of a like that? I can't remember. I actually
1: can't um, remember either. Tra- yeah, I can't remember. I think it might have been the Port one a little bit, but not too much.
3: I don't remember there being a time where we were so far behind that I felt uncomfortable about the game. So it's possible that we had like a one or two goal, or we gave up a one or two goal game, uh, lead.
1: Yeah, I, I quite like the fact that there's momentum, the shift happened – and we got it back, and then we just controlled it for the rest of the game pretty much.
3: Yeah, once
0: we took control against Melbourne, we didn't really lose it. It was just an intensity
2: shift.
1: Yeah, Hogan has Hogan has some um, issues with his ball drops, but we were quite happy that he kept having those issues. That's
2: an outtake. Yes, it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh, my God, the first one. First one for the night. There you go. Um, you were watching his ball drop closely. Were you, Nicky? <laughs> it
1: was a bit hard to miss it.
0: and <laughs> potatoes. It,
1: it was very high. Ooh.
0: He had a high ball drop, did he?
1: <laughs> yes, he did.
0: Cold, which you don't
1: do. You don't do when it's very windy.
0: Or cold. Surprise! It?
1: Oh, jeez, it was cold.
0: Anyway, moving right along.
1: So, what did you think of? What did you guys think of Walker?
0: I thought he was uncompetitive.
3: I thought I think after since the first game he's been uh, quite
0: ineffectual,
1: and yet he's still getting a couple of goals.
2: He's still had three, didn't he? Yeah,
0: apart from the mark on the goal square, they were cheapy goals. I mean, I mentioned it on the board I think during the week I, he's going up one handed, and I don't understand why he's doing it. it can only be it can only be a problem with his knee, like where well, he's worried about his knee and landing.
1: I watched because um, I watched the. Re- finally got to watch the replay last night um, and I was um, taking a point of that. What he was actually doing was he was going up slightly sideways, so he was using his body and that hand down to just push his opponent just that little bit under the ball um, but without it being like a full-on push in the back, so it's another way to get around it. So I think that's what's happening. If you actually watch it, his body's not – straight onto the ball it's always slightly turned so he's actually pushing his opponent under the ball Yeah, so that's where it's coming through he seems
3: to be really focused on his opponent at the moment Um, the commentators mentioned it multiple times and I, I noticed that a few times against Collingwood that he seems to have to find body contact before he can focus on the ball and it's it's quite odd that he can't just go up without getting that body contact
0: first well, to me, uh, I think it's um, symptomatic of him worrying about getting unbalanced in the air and that's why he's worried about who's around him and that's why he's not gut- jumping front on. If, and I didn't look at it, Nicky, but I reckon if you look at it again, the side that he's turning will be the side that allows him to land on his, on his good knee, not his bad knee.
1: Yeah, it's his left that he's um, using to push out. So he's landing on his right,
0: and it's creeping into his game. I've noticed it, noticed it a couple of times um, over this season, and it's and it was quite noticeable. Maybe it was wet, um, but I think he's still got some little mental hurdles to overcome with that knee yet.
1: And that's fair enough. I think uh, that's something that you can't kind of get over very um, as quickly. Um, it's, changes depending on who the person is and what they can and can't cope with.
0: Oh, absolutely. And having the captaincy, the last thing that he would want is to be out for a season. Or to lose confidence. Now, what To lose confidence in himself and his ability to perform his role
3: that he's required to do as well as being captain.
1: Now, what did you guys think of a debutant getting the most tackles ever for a debutant?
2: That tackling oh, was fantastic. He was. He was great. What a Start. He,
1: he kind of did everything that I was seeing him do in the SNFL last year, so it was really pleasing to see that he could step up to that level and just look like he belonged. Oh, and Hal's, speaking of little left-footers, what about Eddie's little left-foot pass to Lynch?
0: Oh, yeah, that was beautiful.
1: So while she's um, training of them having to train both sides of the body, it's coming off under pressure?
3: Most of the time.
1: Unless your name's Hardigan or Cameron.
3: <laughs> or Kelly. But... It's, it's about it's about um, him giving them the confidence that they're not going to get berated for, for doing the wrong thing, that they can go on to their left and if they make a mistake, it's not the end of the world.
1: Oh, here's an interesting thing. David Teague, because I was at the after-match function in the like little mini-shed that they have, um, and David Teague was um, interviewed and they asked him about you know what was Walsh's reaction in that first quarter when they would get the run on, and he said that um, – when he worked with Walshy at West Coast, Walshy could get very intense in the box. But now he's a head coach; he seems to be a lot more relaxed. And all he he was very calm, and he was just, you know, okay. So why is this happening? What a, what's what's gone wrong? You guys need to find out what's gone wrong, and we need to sort it. Um, and he said that yeah, that Walshy was he's just been incredibly calm and very different from how he was as a line coach.
2: Yeah, he um, looks like you. He's waiting for his cigar and his coffee sort of thing.
1: Sometimes I thought he just looked quite bored. and <laughs> might go for a nap. The other thing was I did try and um, watch the forward line movement a little bit because we still had a couple of cases where we were bombing along to Eddie, and that's when Eddie is our full forward. He is our only target deep in the forward line. Um, Walker's often being rested at that point, and Lynch and Jenkins are actually playing up the field. So those couple of times where we've seen it happening on screen, uh, we're not there at the game going, why are they just bombing it long to Eddie? Where's like um, the other guys? Because that's the setup. Um, We've got him playing out of full forward.
0: Is it the setup though or is it a breakdown in structure? Because you wouldn't have Eddie playing full forward and Jenkins and land up the ground. Surely not.
1: No, that was was the structure. Um, I think sometimes that's when you've got Dangerfield as well. So we've got him in Danger. So Danger's let out one side, Eddie's let out to the other. They're kicking to but Eddie to, to at least try and bring the ball down, but the other guys aren't coming through to get the cross. putting on,
3: on his head. They're not putting it out in front of him to lead on to.
1: He leads to the side an awful lot and not actually at the ball carrier. So I wonder whether that's playing a part into it a little bit.
0: There, there's no way that he should ever be a marking target.
1: Except he always has been his whole career. Yeah, but it shouldn't he shouldn't be. He's done that. I know.
0: If we've got danger and Jenkins and Lynch in our forward lines or, or Walker instead of danger in our forward lines, there's there's no need. And it's actually diluting his use if he's having to go up for the mark because then he's, then he's out of um, position for the for the. Crumbs. And he's so dangerous when he's on the ground.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
0: I don't understand why Jerker doesn't go deep when Walker's not there.
1: Yeah, that that was an odd one to me. Um, But incidentally, we're just watching his game and the discussion we kind of have about it is he's just got no idea how to play in the wet. I mean, I I don't think he's ever – because he hasn't really come up through playing junior – he did play football a little bit, but I think it was more basketball that he was doing um, as a junior – he just doesn't have the knowledge on how to play in the wet. I can't, and it was really obvious. I can't,
0: I can't accept that. He's how many times reckon he would've trained in the wet? Not often in Adelaide.
1: We don't do it yeah, we don't do it that often. Um if it's something like that then they'll they go inside and things like that. It was just really obvious. I was so annoyed at his game. It was, I mean, I'm not using that as an excuse. It's just an understanding of why he's doing that. So that's something that needs to be worked on with him. Yeah, he was the one I came away from the game most frustrated about.
2: Yeah, he's like a, a headless chook. He doesn't know where to be. He doesn't seem to know what his... It just seems like watching the game, like he doesn't know what his role is at any time and point sort of thing. I'm confident in my gut
3: feel that if... Loden wasn't in, uh, injured, he'd be playing right now. Yeah, I
0: agree. With
1: and it was nice to actually see Loden did actually exist because there was some training footage and he was there. And it was like, I didn't realise you were actually on our list because we'd never seen yeah. you since the start really.
0: I reckon there might be a bit more urgency to get loud and fit.
1: Well, Jack Osborne's actually been playing quite well in the SNFL. He's finally using that huge height and bulk that he's got and um, doing some nice things in the SNFL. So... There's another one that could start putting pressure on him.
3: Because he's got nearly half a foot extra than Jenkins, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, I've quite liked uh, near the SNFL, the guys know to use his height and they'll kick it up high. So he just stands behind the defender, puts his arms in the air and goes, "Yo, oh, well, yeah, nobody's going to punch it away from him.
3: What's his kicking like?
1: Actually, not bad. Um the, the problem I had with him last year in the SNFL, he had all that bulk. He's quite strong in there, but he didn't know how to use it. And the two games I've seen him play this year, he was really using that bulk and pushing it and, and just getting those other players out of the way. So he actually looked like a footballer.
0: Okay. Um, final thoughts on the game? We got the win, but room for improvement. Yeah, well said, Waffle.
1: Yeah, the the four points is always very nice. Um, still, some things to work on, but I think overall, nice team performance.
3: Certainly, a game we would have dropped in the past. So it's good to
0: have that win on the board. Yeah, I agree. Take the points, move on.
1: Oh, um, we won the melee. <laughs> I
0: think it was a nil all draw, wasn't it?
1: Um, no. Did you guys hear what um Walker said about it? which was that Tomo was told by Walshy to go sort out Bernie. And you can actually see in the vision that he does get Bernie in a headlock right towards the end and has quite a few words with him. And then in the last quarter, Bernie isn't on Dangerfield.
3: Yeah, no, um, they did. And yet Danger
0: was still ineffectual.
1: Uh, He played up forward for pretty much most of it, though. All right.
0: Well, that was the review of last week's win over Melbourne. Thanks, guys. Um, And I think we all agree that it was just good to get the points and uh, get out of the rain. So uh,
2: there we go. (laughs)
0: So moving on now, we've got uh, obviously a pretty tight looking game coming up this weekend against the Western Bulldogs. Um, despite the fact that the bullies are might be a couple down due to fairly nasty injuries. Um, there I still expect on a fast track it'll be um it'll be a close game. So join us from the Western Bulldogs board is the Hey Badger. How are you doing, mate? I'm going well, thanks
4: for having me.
0: Yeah, no worries at all. Um, probably the thing we're most interested in at the moment, mate, any word, any words you can give us on uh, injuries down there at the moment?
4: Yeah, look, we weren't going so well before the game on the weekend with Tommy Liberatore going down with a knee during the pre-season, but we've lost the guy who replaced him in the guts in Mitch Wallace with a back spasm. And we had Marcus Bontempelli and Matthew Boyd out on the weekend, and we've also lost... Who, who was it? We've lost someone else too. Dale Morris? Dale so, Morris with the shoulder injuries that he looks to be gone for between six and as many as 12 because he's been in for surgery. So it's looking pretty ordinary in all areas of the ground.
3: And how are Bonten Pelly and Boyd looking at the moment? Do you know anything that you can well, tell us?
4: Yeah, well, Pelly is apparently set to play this week. I think they said he was about 85% good to go against the Hawks, but they weren't going to risk him on a wet ground down there. And Boyd, he's got a history of calf injuries, so it might be a little while before he comes back, I think. he He might be training okay, but he's had that history, and he's 32 now, so they're pesky once they get to that age, the calf injuries.
3: Do you think there's any any possibility that um, your boys felt that uh, you might be a better chance this week against the Crows rather than against the Hawks? And so you, you might have held Bontempele back where if you were playing someone, you might have had a better chance of beating. He might have played last week.
4: Yeah, like I think that's a possibility, particularly because he was so close to playing. We might have thought it's better to go balls out for the win against the Crows rather than taking him down to Tassie and perhaps aggravating something but I think if it was in Melbourne he might have played if it was under the under the roof but again I'm not sure how the current coach and current regime is going to go about it because I don't think there was a great deal of risk management beforehand so now we're sort of getting a feel as supporters for how they're going to manage players so We'll see how they go. I'm still not 100% that he's going to play this weekend, but we'll see.
3: He's got a plenty of time to get over it, given that it's the last game on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, well, that
4: benefits us, particularly with Footscray playing beforehand. So hopefully, hopefully he pulls up because he's probably already our best after 18 games, but particularly with Liver out. So we really hope he'll be ready because that'll give us a shot and we've gone okay against the crows recently but I'm not confident but I'll be more confident with Bobelli in, obviously
1: now you have quite a tallish forward line um, so who out of there are there any there of course I know Tory Dixon is kind of what is it how many goals did he score against us last time um, so there's kind of some interesting ones there that how do you think they're going to match up against our back line?
4: El Tor is an interesting one because he's had a couple of good games against the Crows recently, but he's a bit of a whipping boy at the Dogs. He's quite a good overhead mark and he's a good snap for goal, but he's had trouble with his forward pressure and he doesn't offer a lot of outside on the forward line, but he's had a really good start to the year and he has had good games against Adelaide, but It's probably been pushed down the order a little bit because we've brought in Tommy Boyd and that's had an effect on Stewie Cramery and Jake Stringer and even our second string forwards who are going into the ruck, none of whom would get selected at just about any other side, like Jack Redpath, Ace Cordy. So it it could be too tall, but fortunately guys like Dixon bring the forward pressure that we need. So it could be a real benefit to have... Him, him having played so many good games against Adelaide, lining up as the fifth or sixth marking target.
2: Honeychurch has um, come a um, long way this year already. I, I like he's standing out in the games I've watched.
4: Sorry, I can't get that. Uh, Honeychurch. Honey Church. Yeah, well, he only come
2: come a fair way.
4: Yeah, well, he last year he played more up forward than in the middle, and. Had a reasonable impact in one game as the sub, and in two games he played the length of it. But this year, with Liver going down, he's moved up into the middle and he's really excelled. He's hit the scoreboard, he's tackled well, and I'm his biggest fan. But I think it's a real boon for us that we've had a guy who's played just three games beforehand coming up and having such an impact. He's only a little guy, he's a tick under six foot, and he he'd blow away in a strong breeze, but he's really making the tackle stick and it's, it's been a huge benefit for us with so many inside mids going down.
1: It's it's kind of interesting that the two teams this season who are the best tacklers are us and you guys, so it could be the battle of the tacklers on the weekend.
4: Yeah, well, that's really interested me. I mean, with Walsh saying that he wanted to bring those sort of standards to the Crows from Port Adelaide, he wanted to bring the pressure and that real ball-winning ability that the guy haven't paid close attention to the Crows but it seemed as though he thought that was lacking a little bit but it's probably been the strongest aspect of the Bulldogs game without that class on the outside so I think it's probably not going to suit us on the weekend with Wallace, Liberatore possibly Bontempelli not playing but it'll be interesting if some of these players do pull up to see how the two midfields match up they both seemed really strong in that regard.
0: Do you think you've got the depth in the midfield that was no, all game?
4: No, no. I think the start of the season, it wasn't as bad as was being made out. Tooney wasn't as big a loss as many thought because, to put it bluntly, it was a downhill skier. But Griffin was huge. Griffin's a Rolls Royce and he's as hard as they come on the inside. We had Wallace, Liberatore, we had Honeychurch ready to go through there, Pelly. and with so many of these guys played with injuries, it's not looking good for us. We've got the biggest strength of our game has had the rug pulled out from under it, and that's why we, I think we're going to struggle for the time being until we can get Wallace back. I don't think the depth is there.
0: Yeah, it seemed to me that was always going to be from um, problem this year, uh, was If you copped a couple of injuries, then seems to have been the case, unfortunately.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you get a bottom side, and I think we saw it last year with St Kilda. They looked really promising in the first five rounds. They were three and two. And players, younger players like Billings were performing well. Then the injuries started to take a toll on them, and they fell off, and they eventually finished on the bottom. I don't think it's going to be that bad for us. I think the depth is going to be there. Eventually, with Wallace coming back, Boyd coming back, Morris coming back, but there's going to be a drop off in the next couple of weeks, and I think the young players are going to have to step up if we're going to maintain the status quo. Let alone get ahead.
0: Yeah, well, it's good that you're playing a good brand footy, and I mean it's only a couple of drafts, and hopefully you guys can do well through the next draft or two and get you know get some get some depth on your list.
3: And even against the the Hawks, there was still, when you were playing that attacking football and were able to get runs on, it was really entertaining to watch. It was just unfortunate that um, Hawthorne were able to do it twice as much on the way back.
4: Yeah, I mean, with guys going down in the first quarter and obviously Hawthorne are a hardened side and dispose of it very well and play that really skilled style, I suppose you could say. It was always going to be dangerous for us as soon as we turned it over. But I think 70 points is the final margin, but it's not as bad as it looked with guys having gone down. I mean, we've brought brought guys in who have really stood up. I mean, Church nearly had his shoulder put out by Luke Hodge in a late bump, and Lucas Webb came in for his first game and stood up. So I think it's promising. It's promising that we could play to that level even after guys had gone down, but the margin didn't flatter us.
0: And what about the crows, guys? How do we um? How do we start shaping up this week? Any changes?
1: I wonder if um this could be a chance for Lever to actually come in at all because of his height uh, because that, that bulldog's forward line is quite tall and I was just kind of looking at that and our – back line and it's like I mm, don't quite know whether I, I think there's a chance there that there could be some changes made
2: we'll, we'll be stretched if we don't pull a few taller defenders in and the bullies I, I never underestimate them like they seem to play Eddie had really well so we'll have to stop them from the center, from the middle but never under their height in the forward line is a concern. They they
4: always play well against the as well
1: Yes, I, th- I think they're holding a grudge from
4: 97 to 98 straight. still. <laughs> no, I, I think Lever could be a really good option in that regard because he's tall and he you would describe him as a key defender, but he's quite versatile at his height. He's not quite the big, hulking key defender, but he's a really smart um, guy who can hurt you on the rebound too. So... He could be an option for so many players that we've got. He could be there for Stringer or even Dixon. So I'd be really pleased to see him get a game. Is he fit for that though?
1: Oh, he's skinny as, but um, I think Tomo, um, um, Scott Thompson was asked after a game, after his first game, how he went, because Scott Thompson played in the SNFL. And he, and he said, yeah, he's skinny as, but he's a competitive bugger.
4: Yeah, I think that just sums him up pretty well. I've actually wanted to draft, Jake with the pick we traded away to get Tom Boyd, 6-6. I was a big fan. I thought he'd slide in nicely to our back line, but unfortunately, I know the Crows were carrying him for a long time, so you've got a really good one there.
1: Yeah, the the little, um, what I've seen in the SNFL of him so far has kind of gone, yeah, there, there's something kind of special about
4: this kid. If and Yeah, I'm I'm quite looking forward to seeing how he develops. Yeah, it's got an old head on young shoulders, I think, and there's so many aspects to his game that could see him excel at AFL level. So I'm really excited to see him play his first game and see how he goes.
1: See, because Kelly's tall.
3: Kelly's 189, I think.
1: Yeah, he's taller than Genie.
3: He is, but Lever's 194 or 195. It's the kind of game that um, I've got a feeling that uh, Walsh would have had Potsy Adley in mind for. considering he can swing forward or back or um, even play a bit through the middle if he needs to. Uh, so it's interesting that, that Lever was brought up in the conversation because um, he's just about the only tall defender we've got left at the moment who's not playing. So it's, it is a, a, an interesting thought as to whether he might get again.
1: But alternatively, how tall is the Bulldogs back lines to contend with Walker, Lynch, and Jenkins.
0: Yeah, I think the Bullies will struggle to struggle to cover a down back, to be honest.
4: Well, I think we will, but having lost Morris, who's an excellent backman, he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. We've got Jordan Roughead down there, who's quite good on the intercept, and Michael Tully, who is better when wrestling with the big guys. But You might find Joel Hamling comes into play his first game after three years on the rookie list at Geelong cover that Morris role so it's quite an experience there wouldn't be a hundred games between them and they'll probably struggle to contend with Walker and Jenkins both of whom are excellent and it's lucky that Podziadley not playing for us really I think he tore us apart last time who goes with bets from your guys it's difficult to say we've got Easton Wood who missed last week with a hamstring twinge which has been a real concern for him over his career so if he comes back in, he might have the pace and the strength to go with bets. But if not, we might send Liam Picken back, who's played a defensive forward role for most of 2015 in the pre-season and thus far in the home and away season.
3: Would you not expect but him to go to a Sloan or a Dangerfield?
4: It's not likely. I think we've done away with tagging midfielders of late. we Like I think we saw on the weekend, Luke Hodge had 44 touches and he sat most of the last quarter out. So, Ticken, who's been our tagger for so long, has been groomed in that forward role, but I think necessity might force him back. So, no, it's, it's probably not likely he goes to the middle unless they decide to put him in there because Mitch Wallace has missed out, who's played a bit of a defensive role recently.
1: So, does it essentially come down to really Jacobs versus Minson?
4: Could, but again, I, I really doubt our clearance winning ability. Look, Will's competed really well, well in the ruck so far this year, but around the ground he's been less than useless. He's bit over. He's he doesn't provide the running that other ruckmen do. And again, the guys that he's tapping it down to are going to be inexperienced. Uh, Jong Bonfertelli and so forth, with Wallace and Liberat. So I don't think Will's going to have a big impact on the game. I think Jacobs, Jacobs is probably going to dominate him regardless, but whether or not his taps are to effect, he's probably going to have more of an influence than Will.
1: It's just for some reason, Minson just seems to step up a notch against us. I've noticed in, those, in the other games we've played, he really seems to not like us.
4: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the deal is there because Minnow's from Adelaide and he... Played for Norwood before he got drafted, so there's a bit of a connection there. I don't know, I don't know what went on, but I have noticed that he I think he chased down Dangerfield a couple of years ago, and that has just his, that. about. Yeah, it have to be the only holding the ball Will's got in his career, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll we'll see how the midfield goes. It's it's such an unknown for us with these guys out.
1: So, do you think um, Beveridge is? going to try and lock us down or are you, are you just going to play that fast free flowing game that you've been trying to um, get the team up and going with from the start of the season, which I've enjoyed watching when
4: it's been coming off? Yeah, look, on the evidence of what we've seen with Beveridge is wants us to play that open style of football and he's, hasn't been shy to make adjustments. Like we were cut open against West Coast when we turned it over, but... You found it Richmond that he pushed them out wide and they scored quite inaccurately as a result. So he's quite a reactive coach and I think that's good for us with such a young squad. So I don't think he'll try to lock Adelaide down. So we'll see if you guys have really good games, we might see key forwards kick a bag or Titan right. or Dangerfield might rack up quite a bit of all, particularly after Danger got a bath from Bernie Vince last week. But... I think it should be exciting in that regard because we're not going to drag you down to our level, so to speak. It's going to be a real contest of skill and pace and smarts. So as a Doggies supporter,
3: what do you want to see out of the game from your boys?
4: Look, at the end of the day, we're going to be walking off the ground with a young squad who they're probably going to lose. I just want to see Endeavour. I want to see guys like Rovat and Honeychurch and Monson Pelly tackling to the level that they have, even if it's not easy for them out there. Not that it has been at any stage so far, but it's going to be harder because guys are out. So I, I really just want to see the endeavour. And to, from another perspective, I, I want to see them presenting because that's been so absent in 2012, 2013, 2014. Under McCartney, there was no effort to present. There was no pushing up the ground, making the ball come to you. It was just stagnant. So just effort and bringing, giving your teammates options. That's what I want to see.
3: It's funny. We could probably...
4: So basically building for the future. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate how many times I've repeated that over the past couple of years, but that's... That's all we expected. of the young guys. It's such a young list. When you look at Morris, who's out for weeks, and take Murphy out as well as an outlier, and you can't ask much more of these guys, and they've excelled so far. I mean, Bonson Pelly's ridiculous. He's, he is ridiculously good. And Honeychurch has played above the level we expected. Michael Talia, who I, I think the Crows have been into recently, he's gone to another level. So they've stepped up, but it's a matter of how long they can sustain it, and I'm not sure about that.
1: Yeah, We're quite pleased with the Talia we've got, but, you know, his brother could be handy as well.
4: Yeah, I'd trade for your Talia in an instant, but Michael's doing well. Not allowed him. Yeah, I figured that after you've lost Bach and all that. <laughs> I think we can leave you alone for a little while.
0: Okay, quick uh, whip around tips and margins and all that. Final thoughts?
1: I'm going to say us by, ooh, I might go six goals.
0: Waffle, how about you, mate? Us by 28. Yeah, I was going to say us by five goals. I reckon it might be a good old-fashioned shellacking, unfortunately. I think the bullies are going to really try hard in the first half. But like I said earlier, I think their depth and injuries is going to really see them struggle to run out the game and, i I think we're gonna run over the top of them probably by eight to ten sorry, sorry, badger
4: no no cop it look I think it's a it's a fair assessment. Look how ball winning ability is going to be really tested in the in the middle particularly, and it's it'll come down to the strength of the back line, which is gelled pretty well and the forward line to present that pressure so i I don't think we'll get flogged, but I think the crows will probably run out uh four to five goal winners. And it'll never be a contest. It'll, the lead will be established early and they'll hold it during the, throughout the game.
0: All righty. Well, that was our preview of the round four match against Western Bulldogs at Etihad. It's the Sunday afternoon horror slot, which I can't stand. Um, thanks very much for joining us, uh, Honey Badger, from the Western Bulldogs board. And good luck for the weekend, mate.
4: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: Good on you. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Badger.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, that brings an end to our podcast for this week. Um, thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, Waffle, thanks very much, mate. Thanks again, Phoenix. It's been great. Thanks, Denos. Short and sharp this week. Looking forward to the game. And Nikki, uh, thanks. Fucking oh, Scott. Thanks for um, leaving the Billy Pipe for references to a minimum. <laughs> And the outtakes (laughs) I'm going to buy another hard drive, I think
2: uh, Alright, take
0: it easy guys And uh, uh, Yeah, we'll uh, see you next week See ya See ya, Phoenix See ya You've been listening to Crowcast Brought to you by Casmar Event Technologies For all your live audio and studio recording needs See you at the footy.